We're so glad you've joined us today for this teaching from City of Life Church. For information on City of Life and to find more teachings like this, visit us at www.col.tv. Now, let's join the service. Jesus laid down some ground rules. And what I love about that is that anytime there's a new kingdom established, whether it's in a movie or a series like The Walking Dead, now that y'all watch that, tell the Christians or anytime there's like a Armageddon type movie anytime there's a new culture that's set up there has to be guidelines and there has to be rules and there has to be um, things that you should be known for and I read this a little while ago and I did this uh, series in our church for a couple of weeks because it meant so much to me and I pray that tonight you kind of get the fact that our God loves us so much that he made it really hard for us to miss how we should live what our churches should look like, what the culture should be uh, inside the culture of the United States of America. Even though we're in a country, we should still have kingdom dynamics that make us stick out from a mile away. And Jesus said something, and it's in the middle of two different times where he's being let down. Have you ever felt like you're in the middle of a season where there's bad things behind you, bad things in front of you? Sometimes in those moments, by the way, it's in my message, God is speaking the loudest. So Jesus has just been let down. He's about to be let down a couple chapters later. He's about to die uh, without cause, without reason for you and I. He's facing the cross. And in this moment, he drops this bomb, which I love. John 13, if you're there, say, I'm there. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad I'm sitting next to you tonight. 50% participation. Look at, look at your second choice right now and say, you are blessed to be in my vicinity right now because I am God's favorite. There you go. How many married people are here tonight? That's good. That's good. Good demographic. How many single people? All right. That's why the worship was so loud. Some good desperation in the air. Some of it's for Jesus, and it's like, Lord, this, this is revival night. Good. Okay, so Jesus, ready. He says, so I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everybody will know that you are my true followers. That's my text tonight. I'm going to read it again because it's that powerful. I give you a new commandment, South Florida. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love that I have for you by loving one another, everybody will know that you are my true followers. Now, I studied this and asked every smart theologian I know because when I read this, it really kind of illuminated to me that Jesus was actually giving us the key to life here. He's not talking about reaching the world. He's not talking about reaching the big, bad, lost sinners of society. He's literally telling his guys, y'all want to know how to be associated with me? You want to know how to be related to Jesus? You want people to know that you roll with the living God? It's not going to be about the car that you drive. It will not be about how much Bible you know. It won't be how much spiritual stuff you can say at parties to impress people if you want to be known as a person that follows the living God they're going to know you by your love for one another the people in your row right now the people in your church people in the Christian kingdom Jesus the inference is that if we would just love people as we have been loved the world will be so shocked they cannot get around or avoid that something is different about us. This message, if you need a title, it's called, This Is Us. Look at somebody and say, This Is Us. 
Jesus, if you start reading the New Testament, I'm trying to keep it cool for a little while. If you read the New Testament, Jesus is spending a lot of time telling people this is who we are because he knew that we had this natural human ten uh, uh, tendency to get away from who we really are, who we're supposed to be. So Jesus is always telling people, hey, y'all, that is who we're not, and this is who we are. We're the ones that fight for those that cannot fight for themselves. We're the ones that go after the lepers, not look at them, not throw prayers at them. We're the ones that hang out with the prostitutes. We're the ones that are, if there's a party, we need to be there. If there's a funeral we need to be there if there's somebody that cannot shield themselves we will be their shield this is us we're the ones that fight for those that cannot fight for themselves this is us have you ever like talked to your friends who don't know Jesus and you find yourself often telling them now that's not who we are that's not who we are this is us I get excited because I believe that someone said recently, Carl, what do you think about like the hope of our country? Like, how do you feel about the state of the United States? And I was like, I'm hopeful. Yeah. Like, no, maybe you didn't hear me. Like, did you see what happened on the news? Did you see all the conflict? Like, how do you feel about our country? I'm like, hopeful. No matter what you say to me, this is us. Here's why. The darker it is, the better this gospel is. The more pain there is, the better the answer. I don't care how, how much tension there might be in our country. Thank God we know the answer. I wonder, though, if we took a poll tonight in Florida and we started asking people like what do you think of Christians how many people do you think would go oh I know them by their love we just went outside right now and we're like hey what do you think of Christians what's your overall impression how many people would be like they are the greatest kindest most graceful generous inclusive kind amazing people ever i don't think that people know us by our love like they should i am excited to be a part of a move of god in churches like this and some churches in your area that might sing it different they might look different they might have a different setup but the core message of the gospel the love of jesus christ is the primary thing that they are known for thank god we get a chance to do that because there's a lot there's a lot we can't do. There's a lot we can't do. And there are times we sit there and I see what's happening in the world and I know I can't do a lot about a lot, but I can get better at love. I can get better at knowing, uh, making sure people know me by my love. So I'll ask you tonight, do you think people know you by your love? I hope so, because if we get this tonight, things can change in this city faster than you really think. And you might be thinking, this guy's weird, he's crazy, he's from New York. But as I've heard, about 99% of South Florida is from New York, so I feel like I'm at home. But I remember, you know, I, I, it takes all the pressure off being like a successful, cool Christian. If you're known by your love and you really believe this scripture, if Jesus said, if you want people to know you're with me, love as you've been loved, it takes all the pressure off having a cool church. Because you realize at the end of the day, we can have the cool church and we can have all the Christian stuff, but if there's no love in there, it's not going to change anybody's life. So that takes the pressure off everybody in here who might not think you have what it takes, don't have all this stuff going for you. Can you love people really well? You can be an influencer in the kingdom of God. Oh, I can love people. When we started our church in New York, um, which seems like ages ago now, it's about eight years ago now, I remember thinking, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how, you know, we're going to be able to take on a city like this. We didn't have any plan except for we're going to love people and we're going to serve our city. And that didn't go well at some weird church conferences. I would speak at like those church planning things. They get so bad at me because they'd be like, how are you going to reach people? 
Like, what's your demographic? You're going to reach the millennials, the married couples, the, you know, sophisticated, the down and outs. And I'm like, oh, we're going to reach the everybody's. And they're like, nope, not good enough. How are you going to do a mailer to everybody? You got to really dial it in and you got to really know who your target audience is. I'm like, let me, okay, let me clear it up for you. If you're breathing, we're coming for you. Whether you are rich or whether you are homeless, whether you are wealthy or whether you are broke, whether you're middle class, high class, low class, no class, if you have breath in your lungs, we're Christians and we're coming directly at you and we're not going to bring you money and we're not going to bring you stuff. We're not going to outworld the world. We're going to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're coming for you. And so we've been telling our church, and we've been meeting in clubs since day one. And we haven't had all this stuff. We're a young church, but I keep telling everybody in Hillsong, New York City, if we could just love people, we're going to win. And so we do little things to make sure that love is the primary focus. And I remember the first guy that got saved at our church uh, was also the first guy that went to be uh, with Jesus that I, that I got to do his going home celebration service. And I remember when he got saved, I had a plan that he was going to get saved in a really cool way. And I could get a story out of it because he was like a product of New York, arrested 60 times over his life. He was a model and a bartender and like a professional um, assault guy always fighting, one of those guys, and he finally came to church one time, he goes, Carl, I want you to know I'm not coming because I want to be here, I'm coming because there's hot girls here, and I went, cool, you can come, you know, whatever gets you in the door, I mean, these hot girls are actually focused on Jesus, you don't have a chance in the world of catching their eye, but it's fine, just keep your eyes on the stage, and he would come week in and week out, and he would just tell me every week, he'd have a different reason for why he's there, I'm not here because I like it, I'm just here because he'd make up stuff, I go to pick him up one day in Soho, for uh, coffee to hang out and he comes down the stairs he goes Carl you're not going to believe this today I got saved this morning I go what do you mean you got saved this morning he's like yeah I'm just reading my Bible like y'all say to do you know the Bible just reading it and I just looked at the Bible and it was like God was talking to me I realized how broken I was and I realized that I'm a sinner and I can't get out of this mess myself and I'm reading it and I just realized I need to surrender my life and that the word y'all use surrender I had to surrender my life and I just said Jesus will you save me and I, I think he did I think I'm saved and I'm a new person this is amazing I'm like no I'm like, I'm like no I'm like it's not supposed to go down like this I'm supposed to be preaching you're supposed to be uh, impressed by our church production. I'm supposed to look at you and go, are you serious? You're going to say, I'm serious, Pastor. We're going to pray. We're going to cry. It's going to be awesome. You're not supposed to come out of your own revelation in your apartment and meet the living God. You get saved, and uh, a couple months before he died, he told me, he's like, you know what really got me about our church? It wasn't, it wasn't the music. It wasn't the preaching. I'm like, it wasn't the preaching at all. He's like, it wasn't the, the say. He's like, you know what it was? It was the hugs. I said, what, what do you mean the hugs? Oh, I'm not going to cry. I refuse to cry tonight. I came in here with one focus to not cry. He said, it was a hugs. So what do you mean by, by that? He said, you know how you preachers do that annoying thing where you always say, turn to your neighbor? He's like, I used to hate that. And then you would take it up to the next level and say, hug your neighbor. And he's like, I used to hate it when you would do that until I got that first hug. And he, he goes, I used to just stand there and people would hug me and I would just like flex on them and like, you know, because I don't like random people touching me at any time. And he said, but week after week, I would come back. And to be honest with you, I would come back for, um, for that part after worship where you'd greet your neighbor and get hugs. And if I would miss it, I would wait till the next service to make sure I could come back and get in that part of the service. And he's like, every week, I would just find myself getting hugs from people I don't know. And uh, I realized over a couple months of getting hugs from people I don't know, the last hug I got before I got saved, God reminded me 
God reminded me that I'm not alone. He said, I've been alone in this city for 20 years. The last time somebody hugged me was when I was a boy. And he said, though, over the weeks of getting hugs at church, I realized I'm not alone and that God still cares about me. He still knows my name. He still knows who I am. He says, I trace back my salvation to the hugs of people in church. I promise you, not one person that comes to our church woke up that morning and said, I'm going to hug somebody, and it's going to lead them to Jesus Christ. But people did come in and realize, if I can just do the baseline minimum of being a Christian, which is love as I have been loved, we will see breakthroughs in our city. We will see revival on our streets. I came to encourage somebody who doesn't feel like you can do much for God. Can you love people? Can you reach out to people? Can you say, God, use me if you can? He will. This is us. We are the people that don't have all the worldly stuff, but we have the supernatural stuff. We are the people that might not have a lot to offer from the outside, but on the inside, we know the love of God is the best thing on these streets. We got the best story to tell. Come on, somebody, if you're with me. I'm going to yell at you. Can I talk for a moment with my 21 minutes remaining? Yeah, right. about this love and what I think it is because I believe it's really clear I'm going to give you like some some things about this love that I think if you took it tonight and applied it to your life it might you might you know change forever big call and if you don't if you don't like anything I say tonight if it's controversial if it bothers you please email me your thoughts at jeffsmith at hillsong.com but if we're going to be defined by this. Keep in mind, Jesus said, I want people to know you by your love. Here's three things about this word love that Jesus used. You ready? Are you taking notes? You have to take notes at Revival. You have to. Some of you are like, nope, not doing it. That's, a, that's fine. Number one, this love is defined. Defined. When Jesus said, if y'all put that scripture back up, when Jesus said, I want you to love people, a new commandment I give you, love one another, that was cool. People got that. Jewish custom was to know that anyway. But Jesus took it up another level when he said, a new commandment I give you to love people as I have loved you. He defined it. He didn't want to leave this ambiguous. He didn't want people to make up their own definition of love. So Jesus threw out this giant standard as I have loved you. This would have freaked people out because up until then they were good. Oh, I can love people, you know, according to how I feel. I can love people ab about my Jewish custom. I can love people that are close to me that I like. But when Jesus said, love as I have loved you, take a quick trip down memory lane tonight and remind yourself how Jesus loved you. He loved you when you didn't deserve it. He loved you when you didn't match up. He loved you when you brought nothing to the table. He loved you when you continually fail. He loves you even though you can never repay his love. He loves you even when you reject everything he's trying to do for you. Hey, who's grateful that Jesus loves you the way that he loves you, not the way you might love But definitions really matter, y'all. So Jesus wanted people to know, don't get this confused. If you want to know what love is, look at me. I am patient. I am kind. I am not proud. I am not boastful. I don't hang, you know, wrongs over people's head. This is us. This is how we're supposed to love. But I wonder if you are living this definition of love. Because to me, it's everything. Look at somebody and say, this is us. Well, I don't even know how I'm going to get through all this. Why am I talking about definitions? Because uh, in our city, I don't know how it is in Florida, y'all are much more spiritual 
than we are in New York. But everybody has their own definition of love. In New York, people are like, you know, love is love. Love is love, bro. I love you. Love you, bro. Love, love. Love means to let me live. Love and let live. Love. People think, you know, if you really love me, you're going to let me do what I want. When we know that's not the real definition of love. We have to make sure we understand the definition of love is not your definition. It's not my definition. It's God's definition of love. It's like talking about traffic. I was over here with Anthony on the way over. If you say the word traffic in Florida, you know, yeah, you guys might have some traffic. But if you, if you, Anthony was like, this is traffic. The word traffic defined in New York is when you sit in traffic for so long, you're like, I might die in this traffic jam. In the same way, if we don't let people know what love is, it gets really confusing because we've got politicians and we've got um, movements and we've got churches that are using love to actually bring hate. But Jesus knew this was going to happen, so he said, hey, this is real easy. If you ever get confused on what love is, does it look like Jesus? Does it talk like Jesus? Does it walk like Jesus? Does it move like Jesus? Does it sound like Jesus? Can you match it up with Jesus? We cannot get love wrong. And if the definition of love is according to what Jesus said, it should be real easy to know what our church is defined by what our business is defined by. I wonder if you took a poll about yourself with some trusted people, you said, what, what do you know me for? What do you think my rep is up on these streets? What do you think our church is known for? I know we wanna be defined by our love. I didn't realize that trying to pull this off in New York, can I share some of this stuff with you from our journey? I didn't know it was gonna get us into trouble, but I found out quickly that if we were gonna to stick to our guns and be, uh, you know, people who are really truly defined by our love, um, we got to stick to it at all times, even if it doesn't feel right, even if it rages against some convention. And I remember early days we had uh, about oh, nine services at one point, which is where y'all are headed, by the way. So those of you who volunteer, deep breath, add to your number. And I remember going outside to uh, meet some people, and we've been telling our church, like, we don't care who you are. We don't care what you've done. The love of Jesus accepts everybody. Acceptance does not mean approval. Acceptance just means we have to accept people as God has accepted us. Empathy does not mean advocation. Just because I care about you doesn't mean I need to validate everything you do. This is different. And I remember, so we go outside to shake the hands of people who are waiting for our 9.30 service. 9.30 p.m. I just wanted to see who in God's name would love a revival so much that they would pass up easy, easy, comfortable church, plenty of seats to stand in line outside a nightclub. And uh, as we're going in, me and my friends, I looked in the corner and I saw uh, a man who was elderly. He had a, a really, uh, you know, heavy beard and he had a hat on that let us know immediately he was a, a veteran. Uh, he said you know, the war that he fought and immediately my heart went out to him because my grandfather fought for our country. My great great grandfather fought for our country. My great uncle was killed fighting for our country and our country has a long way to go when it comes to how we honor the men and women who serve our country so valiantly. And, that's a different sermon for a different day, but I remember going outside, and I saw this uh, gentleman. I said, sir, um, what are you doing tonight? And he looked at me, and he goes, oh, son. He said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing this. This is where I live. This is my corner. I said, that's cool. I said, you, you want to come to church right down the road? We got a, we got a meeting at 930. He says, oh, son, I, I can't go to church. I haven't been to church in a long time. I've done a lot of stuff. I don't really belong in church. And I said, sir, you got to come. We would love to have you. He said, you're not hearing me. I don't look like I belong in church. I was like, I know the guy who runs this church. He's weird too. You're going to fit right in. And uh, he looks at me and goes, oh, I can't do it. 
I, I can't go to church. He said, to be honest with you, son, and he holds up his hand, and his hand was shaking, got a beer in it, and he said, I, I can't go anywhere without this, and this one's almost done. You know, I can't get into church with this. I said, sir, hold on. Are you telling me that if, if you had a beer, a full beer, you, you would come into church? He said, well, I guess that's what I'm saying. I said, there's a bodega right there. I'll buy you six if it's going to get you into church. He said, that's a deal. I grabbed him by the hand. We went in, got him his beer, and we went into the front row, 930 service. It was on fire. He stood right next to me, cracked open his beer. He's like, this is awesome. Much to his shock and awe. I said, I'll be right back. And I got up and led the meeting. He And I remember preaching, and uh, I remember seeing, seeing this guy next to people that maybe the world knew, and then he was in the middle of, uh, of a row of people that were known, yet he was known by God, and I remember see, seeing him listen, and he was like, at one point, I got a drink of water, and I said, cheers, and he was like, hey, cheers, pastor. I'm like, not now. This is not and, and so as I was preaching, he started to put his beard down. He folded his hand and started to listen. And the uh, first person to put their hand up to give their life to Jesus was him. I remember he came right up to the stage and gave him a hug. And, and afterwards, I remember thinking, this is the greatest night of our life. Like, if it ended right now, I remember sitting at home with my wife saying, if it ended right now, I feel like we would have done what God called us to do in New York if a man like that could know that God loves him in the middle of a mess like this city. And I thought everybody thought like that. And I was wrong. <laughs> I came in the next week and this lady made a beeline for me. And she said, Pastor Carl, I want you to know I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I know I committed to life, <laughs> but I'm out of here. You've sold out. You've conformed to the world and you've just gone too far. I said, ma'am, respectfully, what, what did we do? What blog did you read? And uh, she looked at me and she said, last week there was a man next to you who had a beer in church and I said well ma'am to our credit we do have church in a bar so. and she says too far he had a beer in his hand I looked at her and I said ma'am I'm not dismissing your valid critique and I said but here's our issue ma'am we are fighting to make sure people know that they're loved and this man has a litany of issues and we are not going to start with the beer in his hand. We are going to start with the soul and the spirit of a man. And we believe that if he can feel the love of God, we won't have to talk to him about the beer in his hand. Because when the love of God hits your heart, you begin to change the way you walk. You begin to change the way you talk. And habits you've had your whole life cannot stand against the love of God. So who are we to stand in the way of the many who have never got to feel the love of the living God? I'll tell you this she said she looked at me and she said but I can see his sin I said I could smell your pride I would rather be in a church where people are real enough to just be real with their sin because we know the love of God Jesus loved us in the middle of our sin not in the absence or the hiding of it and being a church where we know everybody's got issues, but we forget how good the love of God is where we don't have to hide. We don't have to put it in the back burner. We can actually bring our sin right to the throne and say, Lord, this is not us. Free me. Sanctify me. Change my life. This is us. And I say that tonight. Please don't be surprised when the gates continue to open in this city. 
and you see people that you don't even like in this church, you see people you would never hang out with in this church, the day is coming, if it's not already here, where at this church you're going to have to worship with one hand up and probably one hand on your back pocket. Because you love Jesus and you just don't know if that person over there might take your stuff. Please don't be surprised if you see your pastors continue to change the method, but the message remains sacred because we are so desperate to make sure we are continually defined by the love of Jesus. And Jesus was so loving that he would make sense to the prostitute, he would make sense to the priest, and he would make sense to the party goer. We must do the same thing if we're going to be defined by the love of Jesus. By your love, I will know you. Are you defined by your love? A lot of churches want to be defined by photos like this. Y'all put that up there real quick. I, got just, I just want you to see this. We want to be defined by that, and that's cool. But here's the photo of that guy I just told you about. Flip it to the next one. Which one are you after? Because I'm okay if the only definition of a Christian in New York City, Hillsong Church, City of Life. I know for a fact your pastors feel the same way. We want to be defined by our love. Even if it causes some problems, if every, everybody doesn't understand it. They didn't understand it when Jesus was doing it, so why would they always understand what we're doing here in this awesome state? This love is defined. Y'all still with me? Number two, this love is developed. It's not going to happen overnight. But if I'm getting to you tonight on this revival, supernatural Wednesday night, this love has to be developed. So Jesus defined it. I want you to love like I've loved you. And then the whole rest of his earthly ministry was teaching his guys, be ready to be developed. Because this isn't something that you just get. Nobody just arrives at love. There's not a person in here that has mastered the love game. Unless your name is Bob Goff. Some of y'all don't know him. Google him. Get his books. He's amazing. He's like the only guy, him and my father, that I'd be willing to say have like mastered loving people this well. But everybody else, everybody else in this room, me included, the rest of our life, God will be shaping us, transforming us, and developing this love in us. Because this love that Jesus showed us, sometimes we have it for a day or two, but we can go a month or two without showing that same type of love. If you are committed to this developmental love, you won't believe what God can do with you. And I read this scripture too. You know what happens like the scripture after? Jesus said, this new commandment I give you. Love as I have loved you. You know what happens next? Peter looks at Jesus and goes, yeah, but Jesus, where are you going? Where you be at? I mean, at, at minimum, Jesus just gave you a new commandment. He doesn't do stuff like this. It should have been enough to keep Peter's attention for like 20 minutes. But it's human nature to roll over the important stuff to start worrying about the other stuff. Come on, Jeff. When are you going to preach the good stuff? I'm sick of hearing about love. I'm sick of hearing about reaching people. Give me some of the deep stuff in the gospel. Jesus wanted to make sure if it was about the deep stuff of the gospel, he would have been like a new commandment I give you. Be a Bible scholar. Be a millionaire. Make sure you're the most efficient person of all time. Jesus said, no, no, no. This is how simple it is. Love how I have loved you. Develop. And here's the thing. There's a lot of solid Christians in here. This church wouldn't be standing as it is with the solid footing that God has you on if there weren't solid, mature Christians. But I ask you this, is the love of God developing in your life? Because it would be a shame to allow God 
to change your eternity but never change your mentality can I preach at you for a sec because when you get your eternity change it's called salvation in the blink of an eye God saves your broken life but the rest of this is a day-by-day dying of self becoming alive in him day in and day out and I know a lot of Christians they got saved great their eternity is saved but they haven't changed a day in their life still mean still nasty still racist still bigoted still bitter still angry and they just have held on to all their old stuff they're like yep Jesus saved my life yeah you'll be in heaven someday but what are you gonna do while you're here on this earth can you imagine if we had a move of God where the local churches in America were filled with Christians that are so developmental in their love that every time people see us they're like man y'all are onto something over there wow here's my fear I never want to be that kind of Christian that is so stuck in my ways that I have missed the move of God he has developed around me he has gone on in front of me and I'm so caught up in how it's always been the good old days but I forgot that I need to keep changing. I need to keep believing. I need to keep loving. I need to keep stretching my capacity. Come on, somebody. I've already found myself as I turn 40 in about a month. Come on, somebody. 40 is the new 20. Said all the 40-year-olds. I've already found myself saying stuff I never thought I'd say to my kids, like back in my day. You know? But I've got to train myself to remember, like, times are changing. I got to be humble enough to say, Lord, you know what? You just might bless somebody that I wouldn't bless. You just might save the soul of somebody that I haven't even looked twice at. You just might use a church like that. You just might cause us to change our format. You just might do something that will blow my mind. We can't forget we serve the God that came in on a donkey, not a king on a stallion. We serve the God who would not do normal healing protocol. He would spit on his hand, touch a blind person in the face, and they would see again. Come on, somebody. This is our God. But yet we want church to be like this, Christians to look like this. My son, and I know Jeff's proud of this because his son is a video game genius as well, but my son, like when I grew up back in the old days, I feel myself being like my dad, like we didn't get to do what kids do today. I wasn't allowed to play video games for 17 hours because my dad would say, son, for every hour of video games, you got to play an hour of basketball. That was kind of the old school way. So as my son's been growing up, I find myself like dipping into the old mentality and me and my son go back and forth about this. And the other day I walk downstairs, I'm like, hey, Rome, uh, you can't be playing those video games, son. You need to get outside and do something that's gonna cause you to be a first round draft pick in some sport because I'm trying to retire early and that's not gonna get it done. So we'll fight and we'll fight. And the other day I came home and there's Roman with his giant headphones and playing, I'm like, son, that's it put the video games down I'm done with it no more of this I'm gonna go back to what my dad did no more video games for you you got to do stuff that matters in this life and Roman takes his little headphones off he's like dad it's a viable career option I'm like did you just say viable that's amazing put it down get outside and I told somebody about this and uh, somebody sent me an article about this individual can you put his photo up guys just want you to see this guy um, they behind me and now would you guys say that this is like, you know, a sophisticated entrepreneur, leader of the new school? His nickname is Ninja. He has blue hair. Like, this is what old school Christians used to pray against. <laughs> the rest of this article goes on to describe how much money this young legend makes a month. You ready for it? Brace yourself. He makes $500,000 a month 
with people paying to watch him play video games. <laughs> 500,000, y'all, playing Fortnite. When I heard this, it broke my heart. I remember going down to see my son who was playing video games. I was like, son, your dad was wrong. Can I get you a better headset? Can I get you a chair that works on your posture? Because I missed the boat, my bad. I didn't realize that you could get paid like that. You could have a whole life. I say all that to say this. I, could it be said of us that God loves people so much that we can't keep up with his love? We can't keep up with his passion? And while we're so stuck in the way it should be with our own bitterness and how we've been and what we've been through and the stuff that we're hanging on to, we forget that God is desperately trying to reach people. And if we don't get on our knees day in and day out and say, God, use me, we're going to miss out on the best thing in life, which is being used by God to reach other people. Come on, is this love being developed in you? What's the new song in your spirit? What's the new testimony you're going to bring on Sunday? I don't want to be that Christian that has the same Bible verse that they love, the same testimony, the same story. I want to be somebody who's learning new things about God. When I read this Bible, I'm like, wow, I can't believe how Jesus has loved me when I didn't deserve it. Let me go love somebody who I'm so tempted to hate. This is us. Can I say something? That says 56 seconds, but I'm going to pretend it's a suggestion. I love you. Don't get dismayed in dark seasons of development because God is working in ways that you do not know. This is a humble church filled with people who love Jesus. And what happens when you hear messages, sometimes that will encourage you to do what you're already doing. Uh, develop, uh, developing in love will lead you into some dark wilderness areas. There are some churches that have been loving people really well and their churches haven't filled up yet. They got to keep on loving people. There are some people who have been doing this and they've been developing their love, but they don't seem to have any natural fruit to it. Can I tell you, if that's you tonight, if you're like, I've been developing, I got nothing to show for, keep doing it. Because sometimes in those dark seasons of development, God is doing more in you than the actual result that you want. So maybe you're in here right now and you're loving, maybe you're here alone because your spouse is not a Christian and you've been praying for them for going on nine, ten years now, and you've been tempted to give up. You just keep on praying in that dark season because God is developing something, not only in them, but in you. Maybe you've been up here at every service praying that you get healing, and it seems dark. I don't, I'm not a photographer, but I have a friend who is, and I called him when I was preaching about this, and he said, man, it's even better than you're preaching it. He said, if you take a, uh, an old-school photo and you go in the old-school darkroom, the longer you keep it in there, the longer you let that negative develop, it actually comes out after it's been in that dark room long enough, it comes out better than the original photo you took. You know how many Christians have been in the middle of the best developmental season of their life, but they get so quick to run and quick to give up that we miss out on the beautiful picture that will be if we can just hold our ground and say, God, you keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to keep loving my high school. I'm going to keep loving these streets. I'm going to keep praying for people in prison. I don't care if I ever see it in my lifetime. I don't care if I get any credit for it. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. You know what happens? You start taking your eyes off yourself. You start taking your eyes off yourself. 
and you start trusting what God can do over what you can do. I promise you, I got five more minutes left, so don't, don't leave just yet. Be a traffic jam anyway. But when I realize that the dark seasons of Christianity are a lot more prevalent than the light seasons called every day, I started to go, okay, I'm just going to start stepping out. Even if I don't think I can do it any longer and trust that God's going to be out there. That's why a lot of Christians are in the same exact spot they've always been because they're waiting for God to show up. And God's saying, nah, I've been showing up. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. At some point, you got to walk by faith into areas you are not created for, that you don't have the capacity for, and watch what God can do. And I tell young people all the time, it reminds me of my engagement uh, to my beautiful wife. Remember when you got engaged, how broke you were? It's no different. I remember thinking uh, to myself, I have to come up with money to create a story to get engaged properly. And it wasn't happening. I was drawing out the engagement. And I took my wife uh, from Australia to Virginia to meet my parents. And on the way back, I was just going to go stop in L.A., go to Australia, build more money so I could take her out to dinner. That's how broke I was. And one of my friends said, yo, are you, are you getting engaged yet? I'm like, no, I don't have the money. He said, bro, when you stop in L.A., land in L.A., come to this restaurant. I'm going to take it from there. It's going on too long. And I'm like, but I, he said, don't, don't talk about what you don't have. I run L.A. You know this. I'm like, okay, he's a pretty faithful friend. I'm just going to trust him. Keep in mind, I have no idea. I'm just doing what I know to do off the equity trust I have with this guy. And I remember showing up at the restaurant, beautiful restaurant, immediately start sweating because of the way people are dressed. We sit down. I look at the menu. I have a hot flash. And, and Laura's like, babe, this is really great. This is really extravagant. I'm like, I know. And, like, and uh, as she's looking at the, the menu, the waiter says, oh, by the way, the bill's been taken care of. I'm like, good, because I'm going to get some crab legs and some filet mignon. And my wife's like, babe, this is just amazing. I'm like, this is what I do. This is what I'm capable of. You know, the, whole, the whole night, dinner's coming. She's like, babe, I can't believe this is the kind of restaurant you take me to. I'm like, just prepare for this. This is, you know, still have no idea what the rest of the night holds. I'm just going, just doing what's in front of me. And I remember after dinner, she's like, what's next? And I was like, I bet you wish you knew. I didn't know. And we walk outside, and she's like, where are we going to go? And I'm like, I look down, I see a rose petal, and a line of rose petals leading to this limo. I was like, why don't you just follow the roses? She's like, <laughs> we get into the limo. She's like, where is this limo taking us? I was like, just be surprised. You know, be surprised. <laughs> go up to this, like, cliff in Malibu, and there's candles, and there's music playing. And I got down on, on my knee. And I proposed, and she said yes. It was amazing. And then we got back in that limo and took us back to my friend's house in Hollywood where he sat on a grand piano with, like, candles playing our favorite song. And Laura's like, this is the greatest night of all time. I'm like, I, this reflects how much I love you. <laughs> what she didn't know because she was looking at me, if she had looked at my friend on the piano, he was sweating quietly because evidently everywhere we went, he was about two steps ahead. So he had just dropped his credit card off at the restaurant, went out the kitchen. He had just paid the limo guy and then got his own cab. Evidently, while I'm down on one knee, he was on the side of the cliff like this. Because he had just lit the last candle, and he had just sat down at that piano by the time we came in. Guess who looked awesome on that night? Me. Guess who had absolutely nothing to do with it? Me. 
Guess what happens to the God that has never failed when he calls people that don't have what it takes, don't have the experience, don't have the equity. What if you just kept on doing what God is calling you to do? It's not just another Monday. It's the day that God has called you to be in. It's not just another service. Who knows what God will do? We know you don't have it what it takes. We know you don't have the stuff in the bank. We know you don't have the stuff in your heart. But that's why you came to Jesus in the first can we let God develop this? Come on up here, team. We're almost done. That's for somebody in here who doesn't feel like you have what it takes and you're waiting for God to develop more. What you have right now is what you're called to have. You keep stepping out. Watch what God will do. Can I get an amen up in this church? I'm starting to sweat. I don't know why. Maybe it's because you have a weird jacket on in hot, humid Florida. This love is defined, looks like Jesus, sounds like Jesus. This love is developed. You have not arrived, either have I, until the day we meet him again. We're going to be working on loving people better. And three, as we close, this love is dangerous when demonstrated. I don't want anybody to get mad when you leave here. I want you to know, this is like a disclaimer. If you do this, this love is dangerous when demonstrated. There's this verse in Galatians I'm going to read to you. I, I do believe that this is something in our church systems we got to do better at. People like to talk about it, like to preach about it, but we don't do a great job of walking it out. That's why sometimes the hip-hop guys are way ahead of the gospel guys. Walk it like we talk it. But this love is dangerous when demonstrated. It's fun to preach about. It's inspiring to read about, but it's dangerous when it's demonstrated. Galatians, this is verse, uh, chapter 6. It says, my beloved friends, if you see a believer who is overtaken with a fault, may the one who overflows with the Spirit seek to restore him. Win him over with gentle words, which will open up his heart to you and will keep you from exalting yourself over him. Love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one as we carry each other's troubles. If you think you're too important to stoop down to help another, you're living in deception. Ah. Carry each other's burdens. So now we've gone from acting like we love people, talking about like we love people, letting God develop us. But this final little part of this is now going, okay, this is us. We carry each other's burdens. It's dangerous when demonstrated. Can you imagine what a broken world would feel like or see when they look in the local church and they're like, wow, those Christians, they take care of each other. If somebody's crying, they're crying. If somebody's rejoicing, they're rejoicing. Can you imagine if we had a Christian kingdom set up, if we had Christian culture dynamics working in such a way where we said to each other, hey, if you're a part of City of Life, this is your church, you're my friend, you're my family. If you cry, I cry. If you win, I win. If you lose, we're losing. If you're hurting, I'm hurting. This is dangerous when it's demonstrated because some people are going to need a demonstration before they get the revelation that God is real. There are a couple people that get a revelation that Jesus loves them. But the mo most of the people I've ever known, I was like this. I had to see a demonstration before I ever had the revelation that God actually loved me. They need to see it in action. And this is where the message breaks down for so many people because people don't understand this is going to cost you. It's going to be dangerous for your reputation. It will be dangerous for your uh, uh, bank account. 
It'll be dangerous for your paradigm if you start saying, wow, okay, the point of being a Christian is not to look prettier than I've ever looked and to run from need. Actually, the point of being a Christian is to have God continually renew my spirit so I can go help carry other people's burdens. And in that moment, I actually get to know Jesus better. But we are so consumed. The early church was built on collective need. Who's hurting? Come on in. Who needs food? Come on in. The modern day church is built on no need. I'm leaving that church. They want too much. They want me to volunteer. They want me to give money. It's so needy. How have we gotten so far from the beauty of the gospel, which is, yes, I could walk away, but I won't. Jesus didn't have to die, but he did. This is dangerous when demonstrated. So let me tell some of y'all, it's going to change your life if you re-up for this kind of Christian calling. The paradigm that you know, the life that you know here, I'll even make it even more vivid. Hold on. Come on out here. Is there somebody out there? Come on out here. Someone with this. This is what it looks like. Come on, come on. Come out here. Very handsome, very strong. This is what it looks like to do this in real time. We like this version of Christianity. I'm clean. It's all good. I look good. Sunday best. All is well. But then you start reading the gospel. Wow, Jesus carried my burden. So you start living this life. And you don't go to church looking, well, what can this church do for me? You start walking into church going, what can I do for the kingdom of God? And you find somebody and say, hey, I love you. It's good to see you. Heard you had a bad week. Guess what? I had a great week. But that's not good enough because if you're hurting, I'm hurting. So remember me. If you get lonely, call me, and I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to stay in touch. And I love you. And I got you. Okay? I've been through weeks like that. I got you. All right? So call me. I love you. And then you go, you go back to your office. And people are like, you're changing. You look different. You're like, no, not really. I feel good. I feel really great. Why? But all of a sudden, you've got burdens on you. You're carrying something. It should weigh you down, but you feel even freer because the only way to get it off of you is to go to the only one who can take it off of you. So when you carry burdens, you're actually setting yourself up for more freedom. Gets better. Come on out here. Let's just say you have somebody say, hey, it's good to see you. You've been dealing with anxiety. You've been dealing with depression. Hey, just know this. If you need anything, if you need a call, if you need to pray, you just sit with me in church. I'll pick you up. I don't even have gas money for myself, but God will provide, and I don't expect you to pay me back. You will not miss another service because I'm with you. This is us. I got you. You go back. You don't look the same, and you don't feel the same, and some people won't talk to you like they used to talk to you. You smell different. You look different. You're conforming. You're getting weird. And you're like, what do you mean I'm getting weird? I'm just carrying burdens. I'm just doing what God has called me to do. Let's just say it goes even further. Come on out here. And you say to somebody, wow, we don't even look like we're the same race. But it's interesting because if it affects you, it affects me. So I can't ever understand what it's going to be like to not be a white male in society. But because you're my brother and you look different, your problem is my problem. So until you feel safe, I don't feel safe. Until you feel honored, I don't feel honored. So I'm going to stand with you. I can never understand it, but I can fight with you. And then you go back to your life. And people try to figure out what's different about you. That's a long way to say, stand up, we're done. The best part of this faith is getting to that place where you have so many burdens, you're faced with one of two options. They either crush you because you forgot you're not the Messiah, or you come into God's presence day in and day out with all these burdens and you do what? 
you leave them at the feet of the doctor and you come back in for more. If your Christian life is about getting away from the mess, it's not Jesus that you want. But if you are up for God using you, this is us. We will go after the lost. We will go after the needy. We will open up the doors of our church and we will believe that God can still use people like us to reach people out there that have yet to hear about this God. This is us. Thanks for listening. Your generosity makes this broadcast possible. So, if you'd like to be a part of what God is doing here, click Give at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. Join us again for more great teachings like this one.